When disaster strikes, chaos is a natural response. The disaster can affect one person or a thousand at the same time. What can we do to organize this chaos and come together as a medical community to respond to large-scale disasters? You're listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, President and Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures, a nonprofit that drives cures to patients through repurposing generic drugs for new uses. And with me is Dr. John Simkovich, Director of Public Health for South Carolina and on the National Council of Readiness and Preparedness. Dr. Simkovich is speaking to us today as a private medical professional. Dr. Simkovich and I are discussing the importance of a coordinated medical response to large-scale emergencies. Dr. Simkovich, welcome to ReachMD. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. So what does it mean to have a coordinated medical response system, and who's involved in this? Well, when a disaster strikes a community, the event is local. And if it's large enough, if there's a limited amount of resources that can very quickly be overrun. A community's resources aren't always available on a daily basis. There's usually a very minimal number of beds that are available What happens is we find that if a big incident happens, a number of people will self-report to a hospital or emergency room, and which overwhelms it. In some ways, it'll stop other people from getting into it who are severely injured. The self-reports, as we call them. Another thing what happens is that resources can get wasted. In other words, there may be other facilities within an area that aren't being utilized that could easily take care of many patients, but they're not thought of as being available because they're maybe a little bit further away. So unless you coordinate all these activities through one centralized body, it's hard to manage your event. So how does this coordination take place? Who's involved with it? Who's in charge of it? Well, to do it, I think this falls in line with what the Joint Commission is asking for, is healthcare organizations to plan and work together with inside of their communities. It should be a community response, so it's the responsibility of each hospital or healthcare organization, public health, mental health, to be working in a collaborative fashion and be planning on how to deal with these types of events. And in your community, how is this organized? Well, it's organized around public health. In the state of South Carolina, public health is the lead agency for ESF-8, which is Emergency Support Function 8, which is to coordinate health and medical events during times of disasters. And on the county level here, we also have that responsibility. So public health is the one who facilitates bringing all the groups together. And what we're trying to do is to form a community council and a center from which we can operate to maximize surge capacity and capability. What is medical surge capacity? Medical surge capacity is looking at what's available in a community on a daily basis and seeing how we could expand it. For example, if you have a 400-bed hospital, on any given day you may have 360 beds or 70 beds or 80 beds that are occupied. And an event took place that needed a large number of patients to be admitted, where would you put them? So hospitals have been asked to plan to have extra space available in unorthodox areas, say in a clinic setting, in a large cafeteria where beds might be able to be moved in and the cafeteria function dismissed, or waiting rooms that could be turned into large patient rooms if they had to, is how can we get more beds into a facility? The second part of that is the capability. You can expand the number of beds, but you also have to be able to have space for 
providers. Who's going to take care of these people who are admitted and the supplies? So if you have a coordinated system of response, uh, when there are demands for additional resources, they can be asked for from the centralized body for all the facilities, and then through the Emergency Operations Center, additional resources can be brought into a community. And has the state of South Carolina, and specifically your area, ever had to deal with one of these kinds of emergencies? We deal with it every year due to hurricanes. If one approaches our coast, I'm located in coastal South Carolina, and we've dealt with it during those types of emergencies. Other than that, we haven't actually done it. We have practiced it in drills and exercised our, what do we call our regional healthcare coordinating center. Tell us about these drills. What happens during a drill? How many people are involved? And have you been personally involved in them? I'm involved in all of them. What'll happen if it's a large scale exercise, actually patients will be transported from a mock scene to different receiving facilities. The EMS person on the ground will coordinate with an EMS representative in the RHCC Coordination Center or the Regional Health Care Council Coordinating Center, and they will look at what resources are available from each hospital. Each hospital will report in their bed capacity, their blood level, how much blood they have on, what staff are available, what ICU rooms are open. So you have one central location for the community you can look at to visualize all of the resources that are available to maximize a patient outcome. And whose responsibility is it to ensure that this response is coordinated? Is there one particular person? Is there a council of people? Does it depend on the disaster? Whose responsibility is it? It's everybody in the community, all the healthcare community's responsibility. It's every individual hospital, it's public health, it's mental health. It's all the healthcare community's responsibility to work together to bring this about. Because what it is, it's a, it's a coordination it's not a command and control type of setting, which we talk about with ICS or incident command. This is more of a management structure that just tries to coordinate all the resources in the community. In our community, it's public health has the lead, and other communities, it could be a hospital. So it just depends on the individual community's needs. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, and I'm speaking with Dr. John Simkovich, Director of Public Health for South Carolina. So what's the role of the private physician in these kinds of large-scale emergencies? Private physicians have a key role. I think they have to understand what's going to take place in their community, and no hospital probably has enough resources without them. You know, hospitals operate with these private physicians coming in and having admitting privileges, so the the host, first of all, the, the physician has to understand what the hospital's plans are and are they counting on them being there during an emergency. Depending on the scope of an emergency, the physician has to know what they would be able to do. They go about doing their specialty every day, and a lot of times the skill sets that are needed to provide care for a chemical event, a radiological event, or even a large-scale biological event may be unfamiliar to them. So they have to really learn much more about what could happen in their community and what hazards are there. And what are you doing in South Carolina to help that education process? We have, in our community, I can't speak for the whole state, and I'm not over the whole state. I just have a region in South Carolina that I'm covering as the health officer. But we try to work with the, the local medical society to get educational programs. They work with the local AHAC or the state 
sponsored educational program uh, deliver for medical workers that develop programs to help train and make it available to physicians. What other medical personnel are involved in this, and how do you coordinate the entire response? Depending on the nature of the event, again, and that's what makes this very difficult, if you have, say, a pandemic flu type event, every healthcare worker in the community would probably be involved in some way. That's dentists, nurses, uh, even veterinarians could be involved, depending on what we had to do with mass vaccinations and the like. Any kind of licensed healthcare professional could be involved. So we try to educate a broad mix of people to cope with disaster that may come in at hand. Have you practiced for a pandemic flu, and what kind of disaster plan is in place for that? We have pandemic flu plans. We look at where we can have mass care locations if we need them. We look at how we can have drive-through or large-scale immunization delivery of a vaccine. We look at how we can pass out antivirals to appropriate people. So we have all these planned, and we've drilled the mass immunization program. Do you work with other professionals like you outside of your area and outside of South Carolina? And what kind of best practices have you learned from each other? You know, by going attending different meetings, we learn a lot and national meetings to find out what other communities are doing and how we stack up against other communities, I think, is the best thing. And we share resources. We here locally have been working with some uh, sections of Georgia because we have a common bond along the coast. And we share information. We even share plans so that we can work in a coordinated fashion if we have to. What was the last major disaster that you had in South Carolina? Oh, I guess this was Hurricane Hugo was probably the the biggest and, and the last major disaster. Well, actually, Let me take that back. This wasn't in my area of the state, but they did have another one up in Graniteville where they had a train accident and a large chlorine leak that caused some fatalities and a large area of evacuation. And what did you learn from that disaster that might be relevant to other things that you're doing? I think, again, it's just coordination and education of the public, although I wasn't involved in that one firsthand at all, so I hate to really make too many comments on that. After there's a disaster like that in in South Carolina, do the public health officers like you get together and do a hot wash or review what happened? Those of us who are really involved in emergency preparedness to a large scale do. There was a hot wash, and we will try to go over and find out what lessons learned along not only public health, but, I mean, it's more of a community event. It's with emergency management, uh, working with fire, police, EMS, the medical community, We'll all get together and go through a hot wash, so to speak, even after every hurricane, what went right, what went wrong. And an emergency management for the community takes that lead in coordinating that activity. Talk to us a little bit about how communication tools and the new the issues with cell phones and Internet and media have played into this coordinated medical response for you. Do you mean from the standpoint of what do we have available to use during an event like that? Yeah, and what do you depend on and what happens on different events? Well, we have... Here, if we have a large-scale event, I mean, I think cell phones basically become pretty much non-functional if it it really is a big event. The lines get tied up, and it makes it very difficult to count on them being available. What we have here, we have 800 megahertz radio system that all of our healthcare facilities have, and we communicate and we test the system every once a week to make sure we have connectivity. And this will not only cover my local area, but will go up and down the coast and if need be, I can actually radio all the way throughout the whole state. 
On top of that, we have a ham operator system. All of our hospitals have repeaters for ham radio operation. All of us, public health and the hospitals, have numerous people who have been trained to be ham radio operators. Additionally, we have satellite phones for communication. So we have, we have several layers of redundancy built into our communication network. I want to thank our guest, Dr. John Simkovich, for helping us understand how to work together to coordinate efforts during a disaster to help save lives and keep everyone safe. I'm your host, attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, President and Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures, a nonprofit that drives cures to patients through repurposing generic drugs for new uses. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.